0: Negativity causes all the problems, or maybe problems cause all the negativity? But do either of these really have explanatory value? In any case, negativity gets such a negative rep! Or maybe, negativity motivates us to solve problems and reach goals. Stay tuned, because in this episode, Dr. Cashy discusses how, when it comes to negativity, or most anything else, dosage makes the difference. Roll the intro! Hello, and welcome to (sighs) Coffee with Cashy. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. And on today's episode, there's a fun case study and a hefty discussion about perfectionism to be tactless, making you fatter. And, but, what to do about it? What to do about it? Now, a brainstorm raged... I gotta say, generating a description, ooh, a little unbuttoned here. Generating a description of this episode and came neck and neck with an alternative title, How Negativity is Helpful Even If You're a Self-Deprecating Pessimist. Both of the descriptions are valid, actually, so comment which one resonates with you as the episode progresses. But first, but first, here is what you are learning. Here is what you're learning. Negativity is obviously destructive, (laughs) But, the big but, it can be relatively constructive too. You have to let it be constructive though. You have to let it. Preferences are helpful, demands are harmful, and your scientific mind shuts off the cognitive grinder that perfectionism turns on. This is what you're learning. So a little bit of background here. Tell me what you think would happen if all the crazy demands you put on yourself were crafted as a desire or preference instead of a demand. If you only stayed within the realm of your preferences all the time, instead of absolutely having to meet demands, you'd have your fair share of negativity still, for sure. It would be healthy and constructive negativity though, instead of harmful and self-destructive negativity. Yes, it is possible. (laughs) I'ma show you. Although eliminating negativity entirely is, besides being a logical absurdity, a dumb idea, negativity is a powerful thing. It is the single strongest learning anchor. It is the single strongest learning anchor. That's why when coached how, it's okay even constructive for you to feel negative. Again, it's all about being coached how. Annoyance, frustration, and disappointment, they're relatively helpful. The System too, rational and constructive brain kicks on and it prompts you to audit how and why you think and act the way you do. Helpful negativity, in other words, brings out your self-scientist. That's what I'm trying to say. Anxiety, anger, depression, self-deprecation, you swing too far from the negativity that's that's helpful and swing way into the negativity that becomes harmful. Okay, I'll say that again. Anger, anxiety, depression and self-deprecation, you swing too far from the negative too swar in too far into the negativity and it becomes harmful now. Where instead of learning from it, the system 1 impulsive and self-destructive brain kicks on and this heightened mental arousal compels two things. One, move away from pain and to safety, and two, move toward distracting pleasures. Impulsive and harmful negativity sets the stage for a depressingly common and tragic irony because it is in direct conflict with what you need to reach your self-imposed godly demands, (laughs) which, by the way, require you to take risks and systematically overcome challenges or get everything literally correct Every, like, the first time, which, okay, that's impressive, too. Since in a perfectionist state, your value is dependent on your accomplishments, it, by definition, puts you in a cognitive grinder. Puts you in a cognitive grinder that feeds on your motivation and self-worth. The ridiculous demands that it creates prompts ridiculous pressure to meet those demands, and that pressure sets you up to lose, destroying your performance and fostering self-sabotage. And this reinforces, reinforces the need for those demands, creating more pressure to meet them. This generates internal friction that is emitted as self-loathing and depressive style thinking. Self-worth goes in, self-loathing comes out. This is what perfection looks like. (laughs) The cognitive grinder chips away at your motivation and self-worth until your self-worth is converted entirely into self-loathing and depressive thinking. See, perfectionism makes you too good for helpful standards. This forces you to set harmful standards, thereby sucking you into a cognitive grinder. You create demands and that sucks you into the grinder and it grinds away at your self-worth until it's a void that many people, like the case study in a moment, try and fail again to fill with food or anything else. Remember, away from pain and toward distracting pleasure, right? A real-world case study puts us into perspective for you. Uh, Leave a comment when you identify with the situation. Remember, preferences create helpful pressure and demands create harmful pressure. Take Jessica, for example. Early thirties, approaching mid thirties, multiple business degrees with exceptional marks. Great career with regular promotions, loving and supporting family, a nice home, a clean bill of health. Something was totally off though. She was bat <laughs> crazy when it came to social stuff. She only felt comfortable when talking about work, only had very loose acquaintances. organized her schedule to work from home as often as she possibly could, Did anything she could do only communicate via text, email, phone, or video chat. Friends? Oh yeah, that was a great 90s TV show, right? (laughs) Dates? Those came from a palm tree, I think. She was a complete shut-in and hated going anywhere, and to top it all off, she hated herself. What do you think is happening? Did she have an insanely competitive and successful siblings? Was she a germaphobe or an agoraphobe or any other type of phobe? Any previous abusive relationships? Maybe an inferiority complex from misspelling "logeria" and taking second place at the regional spelling bee? Does she have deep-seated guilt and shame because she gets overstimulated in the presence of feet? Everything checked out? Fine. But Jessica hated herself. How could this be? After high school, Jessica went headfirst into her university studies and made the abrupt transition from field athlete to desk athlete. As time went on, she started to develop these skin folds over her bra strap and waistband, even go, even going as far, if I remember correctly, calling them shame folds or shame rolls, that's, that's what I was. She went as far as calling them her shame rolls. Anytime she moved, they rubbed against her clothes and she was reminded of their presence. Anytime she sat down, she could feel her shame rolls spilling over her pants and armpits. The only time she felt even remotely functional was when she worked at her standing desk wearing what she called her work smock, a large draping shawl that went over her shoulders and down to her knees. And looking back, it was quite literally operating as a security blanket. Her shame roles made her feel miserable when she moved around in the outside world, she called it. And the prospect of moving around oftentimes was even worse. She had an understanding of the need to get moving, but, but moving felt awful and the prospect of purposeful movement now made her cringy. What is really happening? Jessica had demands on herself to have what, what was in her language, a perfectly smooth look without cheating. And true to her overachiever form, The more her shame roles grew, the greater the demands on herself became. And the greater the demands became, the further she drifted from this ideal image of herself, eventually getting to the point of distracting social and romantic anxiety, progressing into full-blown people avoidance and social disengagement. The hard line that anything other than then being ideal was unacceptable, led, quite logically, to conditional acceptability of herself as a person. Therefore, she needed to be ideal and must showcase that in every way important to her. Otherwise, work smock. What direction can Jessica go in a situation like this? See, perfectionism made her too good for helpful preferences. This forced her to set harmful demands, thereby sucking her into that nasty cognitive grinder. It ground away at her self-worth until two things happened. One, she was sedentary all the time, where even the prospect of moving was a problem, pushing her further away from her perfectionist standards. And two, her self-worth was converted to self-loathing, where she filled the depressive self-loathing void with food creating an entirely different pain-eat-pain cognitive grinder. <laughs> she, be- she became so far gone from her ideal that the only reasonable option now was to become a hermit. Quite the pickle, that's quite the pickle. <laughs> Let's move toward a solution together. For Jessica to dispute her, her self-proclaimed miserable existence, she needed to do four things, which we recorded, okay? She needed to shut off the grinder, chipping away at her self-worth and and self-loathing. I'll get back to this in a second. She needed to shut off the grinder, chipping away at her self-worth, converting it to self-loathing. She needed to tune down the impulsive, demanding, and rigid self-destructive dogmatism. She needed to tune up the rational, constructive, and resilience-building scientific-mindedness, and use her new, tuned-up scientific-mindedness to ferociously challenge her rigid, perfectionist beliefs. And Jessica accomplished this with TKN over 11 intense weeks by and we can bring back the whiteboard of wisdom by actively observing how her demands create self-sabotaging pressure, that reinforce <laughs> that reinforce her ridiculous demands, simultaneously proving that her self-hatred is rational, her self-loathing is rational and identifying and addressing her low tolerance to frustration her low frustration tolerance her entitlement to an ideal outcome and a twisted sense of fairness identifying and addressing her low frustration tolerance her entitlement to an outcome and her twisted sense of fairness and then last overcoming the hurdle of being too good for appropriate and helpful expectations and preferences by transitioning Jessica's godly demands of herself to suitably strong preferences. So let's summarize everything. Rigid dogmatic perfectionist tendencies are often the cause of harmful negativity because it compels you to be impulsive from your frustration, anger from your irritation, depression from your disappointment, anxiety from your concern. You're loathing yourself as a person because a task went sideways. In other words, you are being negative about being negative. That's a serious meta problem. This is the catalyst that transitions everyday potentially helpful and resilience building negative experiences into what feels like hopelessly menacing catastrophes. Again, negativity is only helpful if you let it help you frustration, concern, annoyance, and disappointment in the right conditions foster your rational and constructive science mind. The only way to get better is to functionally object to outcomes that are short of your preferences. You must functionally object instead of throwing a destructive tantrum over the ridiculous demands that are setting you up to lose. Once the demands transition to suitably strong preferences, once the demands transition to suitably strong preferences, You shut down the self-worth to self-hate cognitive grinder. You can tune down your impulsive and self-destructive dogmatic mind, giving your rational, constructive science mind a chance to tune back up. You can use your science-mindedness to actively observe and identify and dispute all of the cognitive gunk that's perpetuating your perfectionist beliefs. And then you can start making honest-to-goodness progress that sticks with you for life. So here's what you've learned. Negativity is obviously destructive, but it can be relatively constructive too, if you let it. Preferences are helpful. Demands are harmful. Your scientific mind shuts off the cognitive grinder that perfectionism turns on. And to wrap this up here, perfectionism compels you to demand an ideal you must reach because you can't stand the prospect of any other outcome. However, things you absolutely can't stand it turns out you can stand them and you choose to purposefully or mistakenly victimize yourself over it. Use this method to rise above that. Preferences created by your scientific mind are rational, constructive, and flexible and helpful. So if it's time to kick your perfectionism right in the gonads and send Dr. Cashie a message and leave a comment because he gets back to all of them. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Casci? head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out!